Welcome to another episode of EC30 Podcast. The conversation continues on racism and the gospel. We're in season two. Whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening to the podcast, be sure to subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. If it's on YouTube, click subscribe. Make sure you give it a thumbs up. Leave us a comment in both places would be great. Um, also, you can go back and listen to the previous guests so far in season two, Jamar Tisby has been on Pastor Chris Bell, uh, Dr. Sonia Faber, um, and also uh, another dear friend of ours who will be coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, Be sure to go back and listen to season two, even season one. There's a plethora of great information and conversations that have taken place. But today we are so thrilled to have Pastor Albert Tate with us from Monrovia, California. He is the lead pastor of Fellowship Church. Grew up in Mississippi, moved out to California, was part of staff, and then a church plant to where he, it's a gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, intergenerational church. He's married to his wife, La Rosa. They have their children. Um, He calls his wife, La Rosa, God's gift of amazing grace that they're together. They're four kids, Zoe, Bethany, Isaac, and Micah. He has various leadership roles out there. Be sure he's going to mention in the podcast uh, where you can find him on Facebook, Instagram, social media. I follow him on Instagram. What an incredible encouragement he is uh, to go and to watch his stories, as well as he has some other opportunities, uh, Bible studies that are available to you. With that being said, let me pray, and we'll jump right in today. We pray, Lord, that through the finished work of Jesus Christ, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that you would mark us you would set us free. Light would be shown in dark places to where we can confess specific sin, be healed, be reconciled to our brothers and sisters. We can advocate for the oppressed and the marginalized, again, seeking your glory for the sake of your beautiful name and your glory. Amen. By the way, sometimes I forget to say it. My name's David Graves, your host. Uh, I'm so thrilled and honored, humbled to be able to bring these conversations to you. They are meant to model conversations, what it looks like to sit down and have coffee, conversations in and outside the church, inside your home with friends, um, just for the sake of the gospel. We want to see Christ glorified. Enjoy today's episode with Pastor Albert Tate. All right, guys, we're joined today for another episode of EC30, the podcast conversations continue on racism and the gospel. Pastor Albert Tate out there in California. How are you doing today, Pastor? Doing great, David. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be a part of uh, this great podcast and your listening audience. Yeah. And and pastors out there in Monrovia, California at Fellowship Church. How long yeah. have you been the pastor and you co-founder of Fellowship, yeah? Yeah, we have. So my wife and I founded Fellowship. Uh, we just celebrated nine years. Um, but I'm a Mississippi boy, so we moved from Mississippi 15 years ago, and I worked at a large white evangelical church out here. And then out of that, planted Fellowship, uh, intentionally designed to be a, a gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, intergenerational church. That's that's so awesome. 
in that church you were at in California for a while. We'll we'll get into that a little bit. So I'll yeah. I'll tell you our season two theme for the podcast is on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus yeah. was teaching his disciples how to pray, he said, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so our thought here is to celebrate diversity, to address the sin of racism. We don't have to wait until we stand before a holy God to to be united, to be reconciled. He's reconciled us now. Let's be reconciled in what we can do. Yeah. Uh, so to the audience, I will say, Pastor Tate, I am going to put it into the comments for the podcast, as well as on YouTube. You'll see links to his website, to his Instagram. You want to follow him. Go ahead and tell him your Instagram because they're going to be encouraged. Yeah, it's just Albert Tate. So Albert Tate on Instagram, Albert Tate on Twitter, and Albert Tate on Facebook. He he looks like he's about to break out in song sometimes on Instagram. Don't be fooled. It's not <laughs> it's not like my old inspirations of Morris Chapman or Ron Cannoli, but he, he looks like he's going to, but it's preaching. So all right. So That's let's good. let's jump in here. Uh let's go back before we talk about uh maybe the sin of racism. Bring bring us up to speed, kind of experience from Mississippi, what you came out and brought to California, just where the Lord has been taking you and your journey. Yeah. So born and raised in Mississippi, both of my grandfathers were pastors. My mother was the musician at our church, Sweet Home Church of Christ Holiness USA uh, in Pearl, Mississippi. Um, then I pastored a small church also by the same name, Sweet Home. It was a, you know, it was a hot name back in the, in the 30s, I guess, or something when they started. Uh, but I pastored, man, I pastored for about five or six years. Um, I pastored, my church had about seven folks in it. Uh, over five years, I grew it to about 14 folks. So mm. we doubled in size over Amen. my over my career. Um, so laboring there and out of that, God just began to stir something in me to go to school and uh, uh, finish. So I, I moved to California to go to Fuller Seminary. Um, and yo, that jump from Mississippi to California is a really big jump, I tell you, culturally. I came out here asking for sweet tea and they was offering me green tea. I was like, I don't, y'all don't understand. Something's <laughs> going wrong. Um, my wife and I started our family out here in California. We had our first, she got pregnant the first two weeks in California. Um, uh, and that's because we didn't have no internet or no cable hooked up. And that just kind of what happened. So we said from then on, before we move into any other house, we're going to have internet and cable on first. Four kids later, it took us a while to figure out that was a problem. So, <laughs> so we got four kids, man, and um, came out to California with a vision that God began to stir in me, even in Mississippi, for seeing the body of Christ come together and just recognizing just in Bible college, because I went to Bible college in Mississippi and did seminary in California. In Bible college, just recognizing, wow, we're being trained to be the leaders of the future church, and no one is talking about racism and racial reconciliation. No one is talking about how our churches are divided. No one is talking about how everyone's going to church with people that look like them, live like them, and vote like them. No one's having that conversation. And that's when I begin to say, Lord, we need we need a different kind of vision for, for the church and we need a different kind of strategy because if we keep perpetuating this, we will stay divided for generations to come. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It, it, one of the things that I was thinking about most recently is how the church, even modern day, we love to talk about the sin of Israel. We love to talk about uh, how broken in the old Testament, how it 
scripture goes out of its way to point out the flaws and the brokenness of humanity, but yet we're, we're not willing to stand in the same pulpit and talk about the last 50 years. It's yeah. much easier, right? It's much easier for you as a pastor to talk about a national event or something that happens in Chicago or something that happens uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, versus standing in the pulpit and say, hey, we have sin in the camp. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, we give the sin of racism so much, so much latitude, so much credit. We just said we just assume the best about the sin of racism. If it's abortion, if it's uh, lying, if it's adultery, if it's anything else, we call that thing out. If it's racism, we say, oh, well, maybe it's not racist. Well, maybe. Well, no, let's not. That, let's let's assume the best when it comes to the sin of racism. Let's assume that they want. It's like, whoa, no, institutions can't be racist as if the sin of racism says when it comes to institutions. No, I don't want to go into institutions. I don't want to go into systemics. I don't want to go into in, in, injustice. We do it with they do it generationally. Sin, sin does generate if it's passed on from generation to generation, why wouldn't institutions be marked with systemic racism? But no, we don't. Oh, no, that institutions can't be racist. Racism doesn't exist. This is Marxism. This is socialism. This is a radical left agenda. We give the sin of racism so much benefit, so much optimism, so much benefit of the doubt, so much assumption of the best that we just assume is not there. And I don't know why that is. The sin of racism wants to infect every area area, every institution, especially the church. And if we're too afraid to name it, we'll definitely never have the courage to, to call it out and, and shut it down. And if, if we don't speak directly to it, if you're not specific about sin, you can't be healed from sin, right? Uh, never, right, not so. in any other area. So if that if that's true of it in every other spiritual area, it's got to be true of racism. So that's why I think one of the biggest strategies, bro, and, and I've seen it, especially in the last year, we are highly incentivized, especially white, my, our, our, my white brothers and sisters, uh, evangelicals, they are highly incentivized to not see it. Like there are people that make millions of dollars and their job is to convince them it's not real. And let me tell you something, it's hard to be convicted by the Holy Spirit of something that you don't believe is real. If you don't believe it's real, it's hard for the Holy Spirit to bring about conviction and the transformation that we're all praying for. But if you don't believe it's real, we we Holy Spirit ain't got much to work with because you don't even think it exists. So I think the propaganda and the thing, it, it, it people are very comfortable believing it's not real. That's why our job, this podcast, our voice, we've got to lift our voices louder now than ever before to say not only it's real, it's real, it's sinful, and we need to stand in opposition of it in the name of Jesus so that we can change a generation to come. You know, we had one of our gentlemen last year, Rickab Gray, he came on and, and he gave the example of pornography, right? People will say the sin of pornography, but then when he when he'll take a somebody he's talking to a little bit deeper about the justice side saying it's not even the sin of pornography. Let's now think about um, child abduction, exploitation, all those human trafficking that happens as a result of people are okay. Naming the sin. Hey, I struggle with pornography, but when you get into my behavior and what I do downstream is causing somebody to lose their freedom, their life uh, be exploited. Then the Holy spirit, that gets extremely uncomfortable. So maybe somebody will go, well, yeah, some, 
in the past, you know, or how about this phrase? I don't see color. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. thankful. So thankful God does because he says every tribe, every nation is going to surround the throne. He sees it. We need to see it. All right. Uh, so now take us into, uh, I think I'd rather spend a little extra time here first. One of one of your most gripping things on Instagram, I saw the headline. It just said, we must disciple out racism. Take take us there. Walk us through it. Well, bro, the reality is it's been discipled into us. It's 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 been in the water. It's in our history. It's in it's in our systems and structures at, at church. It's 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 it was in my home like like uh, Rich Velotis, pastor in New York. He asked these questions. He says in, in your family of origin, like in your house, what messages spoken and unspoken were communicated about people of other races? So who, what was, what was spoken or unspoken about whites or Asians and Latina? And I thought about it. I was like, oh yeah, I, there were messages that were clear. There were messages, be afraid of, of white officers. Um, mm. that, that was a message. In, in my house, don't trust white leaders. That was a message in my house. That was just kind of put into me. One of my white brothers uh, who's on staff with me, he said it was a message put into him that, yeah, they were just better than other ethnicities. Th that his parents never told him that, but by, the, by their social location, by conversations in the house, it was just clear that we love everybody, but we're at the top of the food chain. We're, we shouldn't be afraid of anybody. We mm. shouldn't fear any, we, we, we have a social location that allows us to go in all spaces with confidence. In every room we walk in, we should feel the full freedom to be a leader in that room. That's what was spoken to him. So it's been discipled in, and the answer is not, we gotta disciple it out. We've gotta, got, we've gotta see racial reconciliation as spiritual formation. It's an issue of spiritual maturity. And until we see it as, as, as a working out of the gospel, it, it'll just stay this thing that we react to in the culture instead of respond to from the gospel. If the only time you preach about this or you hear about this at church is when there's some headline on CNN, that means you are allowing the culture to dictate this gospel principle. You need to stop reacting to CNN and MSNBC and FOX, Fox, and you need to start responding to the B-I-B-L-E. It, it, it unpacks it and as a narrative. God says, we are all his children and he cares very deeply about how his children treat one another. We need a new vision for discipleship. We need a new revival. And if your revival don't include black folks, Latino folks and Asian folks coming together, being one, if your revival doesn't break down the cultural divides, we don't need that revival. We don't need another revival that still leaves folks oppressed. We need a revival that's going to set free the captives, the oppressors and the oppressed. That's the kind of revival I'm praying for. And I think that revival comes with a fresh vision of discipleship. It, it seems like even within the church, there is this, we give a holy reverence to our past generations. You said it's been discipled in. Some people will recall and go, yeah, you know, like my father passed away two years ago. Uh, and there, there's this tendency, human tendency I'll be vulnerable with with our audience, with you as well. 
that to at times to view my dad as just uh, just and he was loved the Lord, passionate about Christ, served other people, but to forget he was a broken and fallen man. Uh, and yeah. so we look at our past generations as if we can't speak. We can love father, grandfather, whomever, but we can also say there were things that didn't line up with the gospel. I remember uh, one of the the myths, not myths, one of the lies that was told to me growing up was uh, it was this notion that uh, the majority of those on welfare were black, right? Now we know through historical data, that's not true. The majority of people on welfare are white, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. even a tiny little brick in that wall there, right? As Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall, everybody had a section. We go back, mentioned the, the thing about pornography. Saw a friend of mine Wednesday night at church, uh, leads men in recovery. Another one who leads men in recovery from uh, uh, affairs and those type of things. And so grateful that you got men who are rebuilding the wall in different parts of the gospel. My part of rebuilding the wall is in this racial reconciliation to shine bright, bright light on it. And if we're unwilling to even sit in this, right, even there'll be some people when you said, well, racism's discipled in us, their first thing is to get defensive and go, well, no, 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 no. My mom, my, my grandparents, they love, they did their best. Uh, I, I, okay, maybe they did their best, but you still had a message, a recurring theme. If you're willing to look and ask the spirit, one thing we ask the spirit to do, shine light in dark places in our hearts so that Christ mm-hmm. can be glorified and make much of him for the sake of his beautiful name and for his glory, right? And if we're not willing to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to sit here in before you. What were some of the messages I heard about other ethnicities, right? I was confused. I remember one time a Korean uh, missionary came to our church and he brought the coins. i never forget the song he sang. First time I learned another language, he sang, Yesum ning chana, yesum ning chana, yesum ning chana, opsida. He said, blessed be the name, blessed be the name. First time I'd ever heard somebody sing and give thanks to God in another language. And immediately, even as a kid, my heart went, Oh, wow. oh, this is bigger. Wow. This is bigger. And wow. I've never from that age forgotten the song. Yeah. Right? How you have it on, uh, on your Instagram recently, lift every voice from the Asian community singing uh, yes. yeah. that. And, and I was like, ah, oh. yeah. so for those yeah. who are tempted to go, didn't happen in my house, sit before the Lord. Let's ask the Holy spirit. What messages did we hear about other ethnicities yes. that don't line up with the gospel? That's and the so very first good. thing, let's get specific because we can't be forgiven of sins that are generic. Let's yes. get specific yeah. and ask the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And when you think about it, of course we did. Of course we got different. Of course we did. Yes. There's no way our household could appreciate all dynamics, especially if we weren't affiliated with. It's hard to appreciate appreciate something if you don't have proximity with it. So. Mm. Of course, we we had a message of Latino, our Latino brothers and sisters, foreigners and people that that didn't speak good English. That was a that was a message that is like it was a lesson or poor or poor people. That was a message about poor. Of course, all that stuff is shaping us. That's why worship in the gospel, the power of worship, worship. My 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 good friend Mark Laberton, president of Fuller Seminary, he says when you come into the power of worship, it is the reorienting of power. So worship and in the presence of God. 
God. It's an invitation for God to reorient all these ideas of power and influence and systems that we've picked up along the way. It's it's establishing the upside down kingdom in our own hearts, recognizing that Jesus says the greatest isn't the one that's sitting at the table. The greatest is the one that's serving at the table. They'll know you are Christians by your love, not by your rightness, not by your doctrine, not by your power, not by your authority, but by your love. I look around, bro, and I just see Christians, especially in the political outplay and all that, they're trying to grab, uh, uh, um, they're trying to grab power and they're, they're trying to tr- grab dominance. And Jesus didn't grab either of those when he came. Mm. He could have overthrown the government. He could have had all, he, it was a terrible gov- government in place, terrible. And he could have said, I'm coming to overthrow Rome. No, he didn't do that. He didn't pick up a donkey or an elephant. He said, I'm going to be the lamb and and all will fall at the lamb. I just see us trying to pick up donkeys and elephants for power and dominance in our Christianity. And, and Jesus is just saying, yeah, that ain't going to work. You ain't going to ever have dominance in this world. Satan's the prince of the air. What you can do is break forth the kingdom of God in this world, but that ain't going to come through dominance. That comes through love. That comes through service. That's a different flip and worship should flip us. Preaching should flip. So here, here's an example. We're doing the, so disciple out racism was it's a it's a it's a training, it's an equipping, it's a gathering, it's a conversation that's online now. You can go and get it on demand and you can go and listen to it. It came out a couple of weeks ago, and man, it was a group of it was a black pastor that's on a white staff. And they're listening to one of the sessions where we're just talking about discipling out racism and how it's been discipled in. The black guy who's on the white white staff, the senior pastor who's white, in the middle of the talk, man, gets up and walks out. True story. We got we got this. They sent us this message. The black guy on staff is thinking, "Oh man, our pastor is, has gotten offended. He's ticked off this message. Oh, this is bad. This is bad." He was gone for an hour and a half. When he comes back, they couldn't help themselves. They said, "Pastor, are you okay? Is everything all right? What's up?" And the pastor said, I just couldn't sit here. I had to go. It's just an urgency. I had to go and rewrite my sermon. So he went and rewrote his sermon because of the power of reconciliation and what he was seeing in that moment. Mm. That's what worship should do. That's what our work should do. People should listen to this podcast and I want pastors to go and rewrite their sermon. I want people to sit and be instructed by the power of the gospel and go rewrite their sermon, rewrite their narrative, rewrite their voice because God is rewriting the script when it comes to racism in America. And one of our greatest outcomes is that pastors will begin to rewrite their sermons to a, to a vertical and horizontal gospel that brings people together that don't look alike, don't live alike, and don't vote alike. Mm. So that way, when we hand our kids the keys to the church and we hand them the Bible, we will look more like our picture than ever before. Amen. Amen. And amen. Uh, people listening, people watching, just sit with that for a minute. Don't we, we ain't rushing to go nowhere. Just sit in that for a moment. So let's let's all agree that, as he said earlier, if you don't believe it's a sin, if you don't believe it's real, the Holy Spirit can't work in your life. Mm-hmm. Basic tenet today. Let's just pause and say out loud: racism exists. Yeah. Okay. 
because scripture tells us the heart of man is deceitful and wicked. Yeah. It knows no bounds. So we know that racism can hide. It can be buried in attitudes, motives, as you mentioned before. But here's the good news. Through the finished work of Jesus Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, mm. as we talked about, there is greater. There is a being set free, not only of the captive, but of the captor. Yes. If you yes. hear nothing else today, decide that racism has been discipled into you in subtle ways and some not so subtle ways. And the only way is to be discipled out of you through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the completed work of Jesus Christ. Yeah. All right. W- one more thing, Pastor, uh, on Instagram, I, I, I don't want to mess up the quote, and I'm just going to kind of point to it and let you go, which is you said, hey, if you're unwilling to see my pain, right, you were talking about your story. Talk to us a little bit about that, uh, if you remember. Well, I just think as we sit at this, I think it's a family table that we're trying to build and bring people to. The first two words of the Lord's Prayer is our Father. Mm. And if if he's our Father, that means we are our siblings. We are siblings. Uh, That means you're my brother, you're my sister. And one of the most frustrating things along this journey as your Black sibling is um, I've spent so much time, bro, defending my tears to conservative whites Mm. concerning racism, concerning Black Lives Matter, concerning police brutality. So I, I have my tears and I'm having to defend and convince them that it's real. Mm. And what happens in that moment is something that's so destructive to the body and to the family table. Because instead of seeing my burden in that moment, you become my burden in that moment. Mm. The invitation is for us to be this family where we carry one another's burdens and not be one another's burdens. So it's an invitation to my white siblings to say, in the course of this conversation, sit at the table as my sibling and don't have a posture that requires me to to defend my tears. It's an invitation to see my burden so that you won't be my burden, so that we can help one another lift our burdens, because that's what siblings do for one another. Wow. Wow. Intentionally, I want to just leave space for people. Rewind. Go back two minutes, guys. Go back three minutes. Hear that again. Uh, He's having to defend the tears of things that have happened. And instead of bearing the burden, becoming a burden to your brother because they have to explain away and try and convince you that this happens. Yeah. Pastor. Thank you for joining me today. This conversation can go much longer. You're invited to come back anytime <laughs> and share. Would, would you do me a favor? Would you would you close us in prayer in our time together? Father, I pray, number one, for everyone that's listening, I pray for my brother and his amazing heart in the work and the conversation that is just breaking chains, hmm. that is bringing about deliverance. Father, would you help us? be better siblings to one another? Would you help us to see one another's burdens? Would you help us to understand and to sit with one another and to have capacity to love one another from different locations socially 
So Father, help us to be the family that you've called us to be because you are our Father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven for your glory. Amen. Hey, thanks so much.